Aloha, everybody. Welcome back to the High Connect podcast, a podcast where we open up Pokemon cards on a weekly basis. <laughs> Today's guest, we actually have Island Grown, uh, aka Brian. Or do you, do you want me to call you Brian or do you go you by Island? You can call me Island. You can call me Brian. I mean, it's up to you. Oh, okay. Whatever's comfortable for you. Okay. Because, yeah, yeah. I've, I've caught an actual uh, couple of your Twitch streams. That's why. Mm-hmm. And I see people calling you Island. And I yeah. have the same thing with me. People call me Untied. And then sometimes I'm like, I don't know if I want to be called Untied, you know? So I just always make sure. <laughs> I feel like people like call me Island when they're not as familiar but All then right. once they uh they get to know me better i think they try to call me brian so it's more personable you know so but, uh, so are your homies already can i call you brian uh maybe maybe, maybe next okay maybe the podcast let's get it going then so uh <laughs> first fine, yeah. uh and the probably the most like uh important question what's your favorite pokemon my favorite pokemon is squirtle squirtle has been my favorite yeah that's okay. the one i started with when i played the game uh how about yourself so okay, so this is interesting because I wasn't ready for this. It, it it's two different things. I have my favorite starter, right, and then okay. I also have my favorite overall. So I'm okay, an okay. old school guy too, right? I, I came from the red and blue era. Yeah, okay. that's where I first started. So my favorite overall is Jolteon by far. Okay, okay, is that a random answer? No, that's one of my favorites as well. Really? No, my oh, number okay, one like is one of my favorites as well. I like it. Okay. okay, so yeah, that's my favorite overall Jolteon. If I had a favorite starter, it was probably Charmander, just from nostalgia effect as well. Standard. It, I know, right? Standard. I'm so boring. Yeah. <laughs> Jolteon is a better pick. It's a little bit more yeah, like... Yeah, I would say. Yeah. yeah, okay. So we can kind of start there. Uh, how did you get into all this Pokemon stuff, man? So, I mean, just like everybody else, right? Everybody's got that, you know, history, that memory of playing Pokemon, growing up with Pokemon, collecting the cards. So I've always kind of been into Pokemon my entire life and even in TCGs like Magic and Yu-Gi-Oh and things like that and only recently maybe the last five years I started streaming I, di- I didn't start with you know TCGs or Pokemon or anything like that I started with different mobile games growing my community that I had but within the last year as you've seen Pokemon has really taken off it's been kind of nuts a lot of people have been really starting to collect again those memories are sparking so we took kind of the initiative on the channel to try to see if we can incorporate that into the channel, right? One of my biggest hobbies and one of the things I was doing full-time, streaming. So right. we went for it and it, it worked. And so we're doing a lot of Pokemon stuff now. We're opening a lot of cards. We're enjoying the hobby and we're doing everything TCG. Yeah. And I got to say, man, you, you took that and you ran with it perfectly, dude. The nostalgia effect for sure. I'm, I'm in the reselling space of like uh, sneakers and stuff. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I definitely understand reselling and I've seen like the different trends that happen, right? There's po- sports cars that come up, Pokemon uh, reselling as well. Then there's like the NFTs and the more like new things, right, going right. on. So I kind of see like everything and I try to dabble in all of the resell aspects. So definitely I saw Pokemon and the trading card thing coming up. What I wasn't expecting, though, is... A guy from Hawaii having probably the biggest Twitch channel for breaking packs in general. Do you, do you think, is that a safe thing to say? Uh, maybe. I mean, I haven't really like looked into like YouTube and Facebook because there's other platforms for you know streaming. Sure. But I think Twitch is probably going to be the more dominant one, if anything. But I would agree. Yeah, we probably got some of the most viewers that are that are on the channel. Okay, so I, I'm an avid like because I try to check the different uh, breaking sites. I see like mm-hmm. a lot of like these sports card guys. I see a couple Pokemon guys here and there, and there's like random more like uh, Magic and Yu-Gi-Oh and stuff. Mm-hmm. I gotta say, at 171,000 followers on Twitch. Plus, concurrent viewers, I would say, average anywhere between 2,000 to whatever it is, you know. Mm-hmm. On average, I'll say about 2,000. Right. That is by far the most numbers I've seen done, like being done for opening packs of anything. 
like anything, man. And that's crazy that a guy from Hawaii is doing that. So when I found you, uh, my friend actually is into the Pokemon stuff. That's mm-hmm. why. So he opens packs, and like when we go over to his house, and you know we're hanging out, drinking a little bit, we open up packs to pass the time. Yeah, nice. it's fun, okay. nostalgia. You get super hyped. Nice. And then I, uh, he was telling me about, okay, uh, do you watch any streams of these guys opening them? And I'm like, oh, okay, not really at the time. But he's like, okay, well, there's this guy from Hawaii you got to check out. And his name is Island Grown. And I was like, okay, I'll check it out. Oh, wow. So I was, I was expecting, like, you know, like, um, the, the Twitch grind is tough. So a lot of guys, they have, like, maybe less than 10 people watching at a time in the early going, right? And it's, it's very it's hard to tough. get to the next level, right? You know, you yeah. can speak to that maybe. Um, but then, so that's what I was expecting. I was like, okay, Hawaii guy, smaller streamer. I go over there. First first thing that I see is like 2,500 people watching. <laughs> this guy is breaking packs at like the speed of light, which we got to talk about, man. Sure, Your yeah, hands are lightning, dude. Like it's yeah. honestly for me, it's at this point ASMR because <laughs> this guy is ripping packs. So we I wish we had a pack to rip open. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So he's ripping them so fast. And I was thinking in my head like, what the heck is going on? You know, this is insane. Uh, he's definitely like... Uh, passionate about what he does. He's very knowledgeable on what he's speaking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the like professionalism, I was like, this is this is amazing. So I really wanted to get you on the podcast to talk about all of these things. Definitely. And just like, I guess your journey with it. So like you mentioned, you started off in uh, more of mobile gaming. And so how long were you doing that? So uh, to take it a little bit further back, I guess, okay. uh, I'll give you a little bit more introduction. Um, so I graduated from UH and uh, actually graduated with the accounting degree. And uh, right off the bat, I... Um, actually uh, got a job and I started working immediately. And during that time, I've always been kind of like an avid gamer, an avid like, you know, Twitch viewer, like a lot of people are, right? The people enjoy playing games, people enjoy watching people play games. And I thought, you know, during that time I was playing this game called Summoner's World, it was a mobile game. And I was like, you know what? Um, I've always wanted to stream, let's, you know, try it out, do it for fun. So we gave it a shot, played some, you know, the mobile game on stream. People came in, I answered questions. We, you know, tried to help them out with the game. And that's how this, the community kind of started. From there, over the next like, you know, a couple of months to like six months, it, it really took off. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like started taking it more seriously. And it was kind of like, you know, full-time accounting while, you know, part-time streaming. And there came a point where my job kind of gave me an ultimatum because I was traveling a little bit for some of these different events that the game oh, had. Wow. Okay. And for that reason, they were kind of, they kind of gave me the ultimatum like, hey, you know, if you want to go on this final trip, um, when you come back, you won't have a job here. So you got to really make a decision. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. So it's kind of ultimatum, you know, you don't want, do you want a full-time content creator? Or do you want to keep doing what you're doing? So I talked with my family, my girlfriend at the time, which is my wife now, uh, and uh, they all said the same thing. You have an accounting degree. You know, if you want to give it a shot, go for it. I'm sure it's not hard to get an account, you know, accounting job if it you know, fails. Oh, of course, yeah. Just set a goal, though. You know what I mean? Like, you know, one year or something like that. You know, my, my parents are pretty, very, uh, very traditional Asian kind of, okay. you know, so it was, it was a little tough to get them convinced, but they all agreed that, you know, getting an accounting job again would be fine, but just set a goal one year. You're saying and it was it was tough to convince Asian parents that opening uh, or playing video games for a living is... Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah, Things that, that, that they were trying to, like, have us not do growing up, and <laughs> exactly. I want to do that as a career, so, yeah, you can see how that worked. Right, right. But uh, they, were, they were pretty open to it, so we gave it a shot, went full-time content creating, uh, started growing the channel, started streaming more, uh, playing the game Summoner's War, and pretty much every mobile game. And uh, that's how the community kind of took off and it kind of grew and grew and grew. Um, And we continue to make content, streaming, YouTube. And then finally within the last year with Pokemon taking off, I was like, you know what, let's try to combine my hobby of Pokemon and or actually TCGs in general and uh, streaming. And we kind of incorporated and we've actually grown the channel even more. That's amazing, man. And there's so many similarities of our journeys as well, because I also graduated from UH uh, with a degree in counseling. Yeah. So I did the counseling thing. And that's exactly like when I first started that full time job. 
uh, helping people with disabilities was what my specialty oh, wow. was. Yeah, so I was doing that during the day, nine to five, and then I'll do the YouTube at night. Basically, mm -hmm. two jobs, right? It was ridiculous, a lot of hours. Um, but it sounds like you you got the switch early on because you got mm -hmm. that ultimatum. Like I, my company, I was working for the state of Hawaii. They knew that I was like doing the stuff in the background, but they didn't really care as long as it didn't affect my work performance, right? Right. Um, so it was a little bit less like intrusive, I guess. But still, uh, for me, it took two years before I was like, okay, I, I'm gonna try this full time. And it seems like it was uh, quicker for you. A couple months only, you were doing that. So no, I was, uh, I was, I was doing accounting for like over a year. Okay. But then uh, when I started doing um, the part-time streaming, it was like several months. So maybe like three, four, five months. I, I, had, a, I had a fast. goal. I had a goal. Of, That's really fast. You know, just trying to be partnered. And at that time, right. it was very difficult to be partnered or verified on Twitch. So once I became partnered and the community started continuing to grow, uh, I started going. They invited me to go to different events. And that's kind of what triggered my company to go, hey, you know, you're doing your job. You know, you're doing your hours because they were kind of flexible on that. But, you know, we can't let you go on all these trips. I was going on like a trip or two trips every single month. And they're Amazing. like, other, they're like, other employees are going to, you know, probably wonder and be like, oh, uh, why is there maybe special treatment right, and stuff right, like that? So you. they're like, hey, we got to be fair. And I was right. like, okay, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so there was like no ill will or anything. There. No, it was no, just, definitely, yeah, it was definitely. just uh, logistics. I'm, I'm, I'm glad point. it worked out, actually. Actually, if they didn't do that, I mean, I don't know where I'd be, right? <laughs> Amazing. Know, I yeah. Given full time a, a, a really big thought. So. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's the same thing that I had when I was thinking about it, too. You know, like the degree, you have it for life, you know, and you could always yeah. go back to those kinds of jobs. It'll always be there. But to make it big on a platform that you actually enjoy doing and, you know, you have a passion for, there's a shelf life for that, you know, like yeah. uh, I think for any content creator, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, is like you need to have like either an end goal or you need to realize like nobody is relevant forever. Like people that yeah. we were watching on YouTube back in 2010, yeah. they're not making videos anymore. You know, like it's, some of them are like Niga, a few, but he, a lot of them have disappeared. Exactly. Right? And right. I think uh, the Hawaii kid, Ryan Higa, right? Niga Higa. He was one of the first people to do YouTube. And mm -hmm. if you look at him now, now he's only on Twitch. He doesn't really yeah, do YouTube exactly. anymore. Yeah. So either you pivot or you try to stay in the same lane and hopefully you continue to get like uh, you stay in that either like, I guess, point where you're comfortable, but there's going to be a point of growth where you're just kind of done, you know, and that's with everything. And I always uh, liken it to um, the sitcom Friends. You've watched Friends, right? Yes. Those guys, six people, some of the most, uh, like, recognizable faces in the world, very popular when the show was going on. Now, the only person from that show that's relatively still popular, Jennifer Aniston. Right. The other five is like, you know, whatever. <laughs> so I think it's uh, in this in this industry and kind of like, in that world of, you know, working for yourself and being independent, it's always interchanging, right? It's trying yes. to stay relevant and trying to do other things. I've noticed that a lot of these other, you know, creators, whether, whether it's on YouTube or live streaming, they've, you know, started businesses or they yes. started other things, right? So it's like one step leads to the next, leads to the next, right? With the select few that have been doing it since the beginning and still do it now, but it's always, you know, being able to adapt. And that's one of the things that's probably the most difficult uh, to do in content creating. And that's why I give you so much credit. So, and I, uh, to go back a little bit about what you were saying about your startup. So were you always known as Island Grown when you were doing Summoner's War and then you uh, transitioned to uh, TCG? Yeah, I was always known as Island Grown. I actually changed my name uh, a little bit though. It used to be Island Grown 11. So, it, oh, okay. so <laughs> stories, I mean, just like everybody else, when you make an account, when you're watching Twitch streams, you just have, you know, whatever username. I didn't think I was going to be a streamer. Right. So my name was just Island Grown 11, which the 11 was just, that's the year I graduated. It's just something we do here <laughs> in Hawaii. You know, everybody, <laughs> yeah. people ask, you know, where you graduated, you know, from high school. True, true, true. You yeah. know, what yeah. year you graduated. Class in of, the mainland, the rest of the world, they don't care. not as many people care, yes, you know. So, exactly. Yeah. But I, I took that 11 out and yeah, so it's pretty much always been Island Grown though. So how was that switch though when you're, you because you completely flipped. I mean, it's kind of in the same vein, I guess, you know, TCG, uh, Summoner's War. It's kind of like, you know, that anime look or whatever, Japanese right. kind of like content. But was there like a, a backlash or like kind of like a, did you see a drop off in viewership when you made that switch or how did that go? Because that's very hard to do, like we said. 
to yeah, make that change. Yeah, it's pretty tough. It's pretty tough to transition. Um, I think the transition went very well. Obviously, there were some people that were a little frustrated that there wasn't as, you know, the content that they exactly wanted. Yeah. But the thing is that I fostered and grew my community from the very beginning to be all about, you know, them and me, not really about what's going on in the screen, whether it's Pokemon cards or games. It's a place where... You know, people come by and can hang out, can talk about how life's going, you know, how everything's happening. And of course, you know, I always say the game or whatever's going on, on the screen is just the accessory to the stream, right? The stream's that's more about them and it. me. And I think that's uh, that's pretty important to me. I think that's why also you, you did mention before too, you know, you know, my viewership compared to a lot of other people that break, right? A lot of the channels you join in, you know, you, you buy your packs, they'll do breaks. They may talk to you here and there, some small talk, but... You know, the difference is I think I bring a little bit more to the table. I bring a little bit more entertainment value to the table, which is probably why there potentially is more viewers watching right. Right? And than dude, just the people buying the packs. You do that better than, I would say, 95, 99% of the streamers that I see. Like, uh, your you're engagement... You're just trying to be nice to no, get no, Pokemon I'm, packs. I'm, huh? I'm, I'm going to be honest. Po- I was you actually, want some free Pokemon hey, packs. Hey, huh? Okay, well, all right. <laughs> I, I don't see a backpack here, so unfortunately <laughs> I didn't get any gifts, but that's all good. So uh, I was actually watching a stream yesterday. That's why you're doing like... That same thing, right? You were doing some like Japanese card breaks, and then I think you went back yeah. to Hidden Fates for a little bit. So mm-hmm. I was like uh, tuning in here and there. But one thing that I was very impressed with, and I've seen a couple other streams as well, and you're very consistent. That's why I can say this. Um, you engage your audience ridiculously well. Like yeah. for how much people you have watching and how much the chat is going, I'm always impressed. Like he did not miss a comment, or like maybe you'll miss some if it's I, like really intense. Yeah, that's why. And I'm like, that is really hard to do. You know, like, especially when you're at that level where the chat just keeps going, you're very good with that. And on top of that, what I've also noticed is not only the Twitch chat that you can, like, uh, you know, you're moderating and doing all of this, you have a Discord running as well. Mm-hmm. And so you're answering guys on both sides, which I'm like, how the heck? So yeah. I, I can kind of see your mind is moving at, like, a million miles an hour while yeah. you're still, like, ripping these packs at the speed of light. I'm like, this guy is insane. So I, I guess it's just, um, were you always like that, where you can, like, kind of, like, multitask and do all of these things? or Yeah, I was kind of always like that. I would say that... The reason why I'm so close in trying to answer everybody's question is because, you know, I, I put myself in their shoes, right? As a viewer myself, when uh-huh. you go to a channel, what do you want? Let's be real. Everybody wants attention. Everybody That's wants tw- questions answered. Everybody wants to be entertained. So I figured, you know, if they're going to take the time to send me a message or ask something, I better put my best foot forward every day and try to at least answer it, right? I'm going to miss some, right? But I'm going to try my best to answer everybody. And right. uh, I think since I've been doing that for so long now, and I've, you know, strived to do that from the very beginning, from 10 viewers to, you know, thousands of viewers now, I think it's made it easier for myself to do it whereas right. others might feel that you know that might be kind of difficult right i think it's just because i've done it so much and so often that it just comes naturally now i wonder okay so this really makes me like uh wonder if this is just a hawaii thing or what's going on here uh maybe it's an asian thing you know we're kind of raised the same way because for me this is exactly like it's so funny how our paths are like always like kind of like it sounds like we're kind of going down the same trajectory because when i started the youtube that was my thing too where youtube is a little bit different we don't have like active chats going right. but when people comment I was commenting back on every single like comment and that's not something that I saw other people that's doing tough. and even yeah and lot. even now you know we're still getting like hundreds of comments I try to do every single one that I can um, obviously there's a point where like if the video is like three days old I just don't see the comments anymore from right. that older video but I still do that to this day and that was the same kind of reasoning that I had or philosophy where I was like I want to engage the audience, you know, like my thing. And what's funny, again, parallels. And this is so weird because we didn't know each other, but there's so many parallels here. Uh, you you call your um, audience in Ohana, right? 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yes. and so that's my thing too. Is we we go by the untitled Hana, and I've always had that mentality. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I've always said, you know, you guys are family behind the camera. You know, you support me every time you watch a video, you like the video, you comment, subscribe. Uh, that all adds money into my pocket, and you're helping me and my family. Like, so you guys are family in turn. You know, right? And it doesn't cost them anything to do. So I'm like, this is amazing. So I've followed that same philosophy, and it's really good to see. That's why I'm not sure if it's a Hawaii thing going on. I know some other Twitch people or YouTube people do it. But it's just weird how that, like, it, it, there's so many parallels there, you know? I think in, in the world we live in today, you know, you know, it's pretty crazy. I always say, you know, the saying, the world's a crazy place. You know, it's nice. People just want to be able to be a part of something. You know what I mean? A family, Ohana, a community. Mm-hmm. They just want to be feel like they're included, especially in these times now where, you know, a lot of people are just kind of home and not really going out. So it definitely, you know, attracts people, helps to grow the community and makes people, you know, actually feel like it's a part of it. And, you know, it's, it's genuine. So I think that's uh, what really, really works as a content creator. And, you know, if you're trying to grow a community to try to bring people together. But and here's the thing, too, with that, though, I 100 percent agree with that. Sometimes, though, I feel like there's uh, people that try to capitalize on that, right, where they understand that, but they don't have that like innate like personality within them. You know, like right. they don't have that humility or where they they say one thing, but they don't do are they do. They actually think of me as family, you mm-hmm. know, is coming from that. So it's like, oh, I love my subscribers. I love my viewers and stuff. It's very like surface level. But for you and I can feel this, you actually mm-hmm. care. Like, you know, the guy's names and you're like, oh, you came back. You know, like I'm like, right, that's right. awesome. You know, like yeah. how the heck he's got. 2000 people what I had for breakfast yesterday but I, I, <laughs> yeah. I can tell I can tell you you've been here before yeah, how that long you've guy, been here yeah, th- yeah, yeah exactly see so <laughs> I don't know again that I, maybe it's just a Hawaii thing or whatever's going on but that's one thing that I really respected about your content that I'm like this guy actually like cares you know which is amazing um so I did want to kind of like go back into uh sure. talking about the resale aspect of things so again sure. for me uh, my main focus and stuff is we resell shoes and that's what all my content is and stuff because right. uh there is a big market for that um, with the, you know, boom of the TCG stuff, we've seen Pokemon cards selling. We've seen like, uh, news articles about like target stores getting flooded to the yeah, fact where they, crazy. yeah. So have you, um, do you partake in the resale process as well? I'm not too familiar with like how the breaks go. That's why I'm not, I'm assuming you're not buying like the boxes yourself, maybe some, but not all. Right. What do you mean buying the boxes? Yourself? Like, okay. So you know how you're opening up a box of cards or whatever, right? right. Is that something that you paid for yourself or is that something that viewers are like partaking so, in? So I know there's, oh. I purchase it. And yes. then after that, uh, we resell them so okay. that people can, you know, get breaks and stuff like that. Okay. So, but the way, my, the way I do it, yeah, which might also maybe be the reason why it's so popular. And a lot of people like enjoy doing breaks on my channel uh-huh. is that, um, the money that goes into the breaks stays with the community more so. So like, let, let, let me, let me, let me explain a little bit more when, when someone comes in for a break, right? They'll purchase into a break and they know that, you know, in the community that we have here and whatever profits that we make, we use that for more giveaways and we use that for bonuses back to the community. Okay. So I always stress that, you know, I'm able to make a living and do what I do just from sponsors, just from subscribers, just go. from my normal stream. Yep. And I've done it already. Like I'm, I've, I've already been to say successful, but successful in, you know, streaming and content creating already. Yeah. I know my source and avenue of revenue, right? right? So when it comes to like doing breaks, we try to use a lot more of those funds for, you know, covering people's shipping, you know, giving mm, people extra cards, right. doing crazy giveaways. We've probably done tens of thousands of dollars in giveaways already I, too. I've seen some stuff where like, e- yeah. even like when they do just a normal break, you always throw in some extras every single time. Exactly. Yeah. And another thing we've done as well, we we, we do like charities as well. So we've oh. donated uh, $8,000 to uh, have like this water well built in Africa. So it's like these little projects wow. that I think we can do as a community together, which really brings people in, right? They can buy packs and obviously they know the break is going to be making money but they know also that that goes back to the community right. as well 
So it just feels better, I guess, in, a, in essence. And I, I'm sure you're also cognizant too that um, for most of the time for reselling in any kind of card place, you're not going to win every single pack opening or no. break at all. It, you're actually meant to lose more often than you're going to win. So yeah. it, it, that's why I was thinking like it's it's very difficult because you're so like in tune with your community. Like if somebody buys into a break for, you know, the original base set or whatever, right. and you see them get, they spend like, I don't know, $2,000 for a couple packs. That's crazy expensive. And yeah, and then their return on investment is like, they made 500 bucks. It's like, oh, they just lost 1,500. But you still give a whole bunch of bonuses and try to make up the difference, which is beautiful. Exactly. So like yeah. what, what it is is that, you know, I always tell people we're going to try to enjoy the hobby and enjoy it the right way. And yes. What I mean by that is, you know, Think back when you used to open packs back in the day. You know, it's that fun, those memories that carried on to now, right? Decades later that, you know, really stuck with you. Yeah. So like I tell people, like, we're going to try to do the same thing, right? We open packs here. We're going to enjoy. We're going to have fun. Obviously, we're going to be chasing, you know, the big cards, the Charizards, whatever you want to hit. But a lot of times when you don't hit it, you know, I always do my best to make sure that you always have a good experience and you be able to get, you know, some bonuses and things like that to make you feel a little bit better, right? About the pools and still have fun at the same time. Yeah. Not just, it's not just about, you know, buying the cards, just chasing the cards. Hey, you're done. You know, Billy Bob bought five packs. We just opened it. There's nothing. Sorry. You can buy five more Billy. Moving on to the next. You know, that's not what we do here. I see uh, it. And um, I actually was uh, lucky enough to get one of the, I don't know if it was like the jungle set or if it was a base set. I think it was maybe maybe Fossil or something like that. It was one mm -hmm. of the first three. But I remember um, sitting in there and I was watching for like an hour and I, just kind of in the background while I was editing videos. And I remember um, one of the guys that was doing our purchase into the break, he ended up giving like packs away. And I was like, these yeah. packs are like five, 600 bucks. Does that happen very often or? Um, once in a while. The thing is that a lot of people reach out to do those, you know, very generous things. And That's you know, super generous, Sometimes man. it's nice, but like, I don't want to overstep. So a lot, oftentimes I, I will thank them and I'll still decline though. You know what I mean? Oh, just to right. be like, you know, hey, that's really generous, but you know, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do these for giveaways instead or something like that. Right, because yeah. it was that guy, I can't remember what his name was, unfortunately, but he gifted one to you, and I saw you trying well, to like, no, no, man, you know, just open it for yourself. He, so he gifted one to you, and he also gifted one to the stream. I was like, what the heck? That's yeah. like $1,000 worth of he, cards, you know? He, he was he was like begging to give them all to me like That's for insane. like the entirety of the week, and I told him, nah, you have to like, you know, these are for you. You're supposed to come in. You're supposed to enjoy these. That's crazy. He's like, how about, you know, we give two to the community, and then he tricked me on that day by giving me one as well, which I told him I didn't want to, so right. he kind of put me in a hard spot because I was kind of like, <laughs> bro, I told you I, told you I, I don't need one. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of Because you have that humility about you too, which is really nice and it's very genuine. But um, I think it, this might be the same stream. So I'm glad you like are, uh, we're on the same page of this. I think it was that Jungle, I think I remember. It's Jungle. Okay. And Pretty so sure I think also in that stream, you also said you didn't want to open the pack, right? You said yeah. if anything, you were just going to put it inside of one of those like uh, plastic containers or something and just kind of keep, gonna it, keep it safe because um, that particular viewer, he, he said he's going to be gone for a little bit doing work Okay, and he's not going to be back for a while. And I told him, okay, you know what? I'll take that pack. I'll hold it on the side. And you know, when you come back in six months, a year, whenever it is, you tell me when you're back, I'll see you in <laughs> chat and we'll open it up then. And, you know, beautiful. we'll make it a little bit more exciting. But so, then didn't like the stream or something say they wanted it open or I can't remember. They wanted it open right. uh, because of the fact that um, I think in that box, typically boxes have 12 hollows. Okay. I think we only pulled 11. So it was a very good chance that that should be a hollow in there. So that's why they were begging me to open it because they want oh. to see what hollow it was. Do you remember what you hit by chance? We, we didn't open it yet. Oh, oh. We, we, I, st I still have it in my oh, desk okay, next perfect. to me. We, we Amazing. haven't opened it yet. Yep. Okay, so you stay strong with that. Awesome. Yeah, yeah like, definitely. We still have it. We still have it. We haven't <laughs> the chat it, must have been so. like mixed feelings. Like, oh, that's really cool. But at the same time, darn, I really yeah, want to know what's in I there. I let chat have their way sometimes. But, you know, sometimes you got to put your foot down, you know? And, yeah. Um, <laughs> They forget about it anyways. <laughs> They'll remember later. That's what's good. It. That's what's good about you. Um, you're doing so many different streams that uh, it's a short attention span. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. So when you go back to that one, finally, it'll be like some people that really remember, they'll be like, oh, this right. is a gift for you, basically. And that's a story behind it. You know, that's yes. what I tell people. You know, it's a story behind collecting and the cards that really 
you know, bring that value, right? Obviously, there's monetary value, but that there's that story value that I love of collecting. Yes. So I think that's going to bring a lot of value to me, especially and when we open those cards, we see what we get, and I, you know, end up keeping those cards. I'll always have that memory of what we did, right? Right, right. And so. your memory's so great because you do remember exactly that stream, and that was a few what weeks was your ago. Name again? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Exactly. Well, uh, uh, Island, because uh, I can't call you Brian yet. Well, we'll stick on this uh, topic of stories right sure. now, though, and nostalgia, because this is exactly what I wanted to get into. So, do you remember your first pack opening? Like, do you remember exactly like the things going on when you opened your first pack of Pokemon or whatever your favorite card series was back in the day that really like stuck with you? Maybe not the first pack. What was your first memory of a pack, though? I think one of my my first memories of a pack was probably getting one from my uncle because okay. during that time, my parents, like I said, you know, they're very, you know, Asian, Asian families trying to be cheap, you know, right, doesn't right. want to buy games and, you know, cards. So, but my uncle, you know, always got that one cool uncle. Yep. So my uncle did buy me a pack and I still, I still remember opening it, being very excited. I, I don't remember hitting anything though, oh, but okay. I still remember that moment of being able to get a pack myself right. and being able to open it. And uh, yeah, it was nice, but obviously don't remember what I hit from them. Was it a base set by chance or do you remember? I think it was a base set or okay. a jungle, one of those two. So was it still early? So, yeah. Okay. So but very cheap back then. We're talking like dollars. I just so, saw your Instagram crazy. post right before we got in here and it oh, was like the throwback that. to the Neos or whatever. Yeah. And I was like nine ninety nine or something. Yeah, those, I was so like, that, that picture is actually from a, a magazine that was distribution costs back then, oh like back God. in the day. So like it was <laughs> super crazy. cheap. So, okay. So uh, my first story about remembering a pack, and this is literally the first pack I've ever gotten. Um, I was a big, big fan of Pokemon when it first came out, and I remember so many different things about it. But the one thing that I remember the most was my family did not come from a lot of money. So uh, same thing. They would not spend like money on like these cards or whatever. It had really no value, right? It's a piece of cardboard at the time. And there was definitely no, there was resale value, but not really. You know, it was more just to kind of get into the hype. Um, so I was living in Vegas at the time. My dad uh, used to work on the strip and there wasn't very many places when it first started where you could get like Pokemon packs. Like it was very like niche. So mm -hmm. there wasn't like car shop selling them and stuff just yet. So uh, he had to specifically go to Caesars Palace. There was a shop in there. He found it, uh, got me two packs or well, yeah, two packs. And I was able to open one. The other one was for like a birthday or Christmas that I had to wait oh, for. Okay. But that one pack that I did open, it was a base set, Blastoise on the front. And I pulled the Blastoise. And oh, I was like, wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So that I always remember that because I was freaking out. And it was like, is this how it always goes? You're going to win every single time? That's crazy. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, I was like, this is amazing. Uh, and I, you said your Squirtle's your favorite, right? So, yeah. even more so, yeah, that nostalgia. I wish I got the Charizard, but I was still pretty happy about that. Um, so, I remember that vividly. And same thing, like, even for Christmases and stuff. My One of my most vivid memories for, like, opening um, Christmas presents was my grandma. I didn't have an uncle who got me cool stuff. Stuff. I got a grandma that gave me cool stuff. Oh, so even better. That was, yeah, so that was the better. best Christmas present. I would always save my grandma's Christmas cr presents for last. Um, one of them, and this is a memory because I messed up, I ended up opening uh, one of the presents, and it was uh, Pokemon Red. Oh, and, wow. The game, right? Yes, oh, yes. Wow. So original Pokemon Red. But here's the thing. I didn't have a Game Boy. So, oh, boy. <laughs> so it kind of ruined the surprise, right? Yeah. My dad let me open that one, and he had the Game Boy in the back, and he's like, Darn it, I messed up. Because <laughs> it was like in my head, I was like, Game Boy first. Yeah, yeah, where's the Game Boy at? So uh, I ended up getting red and blue for my grandma, and then my dad guys bought the Game Boy. But that was like one of my favorite games of all time. I would reset that thing over and over, rerun that adventure, and it was just so much nostalgia. And that's why the first 151 or 150 even Pokemon were like always the ones that I remember the most. Um, nowadays, there's how many are there? Do you know offhand? Close. 700 i don't know this a crazy amount if they keep going on that track we're going to be over a thousand soon i don't know i feel like i feel like they've been trying to slow down because they, need they don't to. want to make too many because eventually i mean it's going to just be too many right 
I'm impressed that they still have ideas because yeah. first you, yeah. they did all the animals, right? So it's right. like you got the giraffe ones, you got the pig ones, you got the dogs and cats. Then they started getting into the weird stuff like you got like these uh, trash Pokemon. I, they're just doing off everything. Now. It's inspired by whatever they, they saw that day. Or, exactly. I don't know. It's crazy. So I feel like eventually, though, you're going to run out of something. But So opening all these packs, you know all of these Pokemon and stuff? Yeah, names? to a certain extent. I would say the only ones that would be less familiar with is maybe some of the newer gens. But I still know majorities of them. Okay. Right? Just for the simple fact that I didn't play it as closely. But, you know, Gen 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. Like, exactly. Those are very close to me. Same. Yep. Same. So that's why, like... I. Even now, I was really like big into the Pokemon games. I played every single, well, at least one of them from each uh, generation of every game. Right. So I played all of them, but even still, I can't remember some of the newer ones. It's just because I don't know what it is. Like when I'm playing it, I'm like, oh, this guy's cool, you know. But then I see a card of it, and I'm like, that guy, that that you know, that guy. I can't remember yeah. the name at all. But then Charizard's like automatically engraved in you. So maybe it is just nostalgia or whatever it is. But that's why I was always impressed too, where you can kind of like know who you're pulling like yeah. immediately. I'm like, I, I don't know who that is. He looks cool, I mean, but he's my profession, so I, I will hope I know it. Exactly. But, you know, over time, you know, you just you just get used to it, just like anything else. Right. I, I'm I'm I, sure like there's things that you have like shoes and stuff like that. I'd have no clue. I'd be like, how do you know this? How do you know that? It's I guess that's thing, a good right? point. Right. That's right. a good point. I'm I'm sure there's probably more than 700 something pairs of shoes too. Probably. And yeah. you can probably spot most or you have a gauge even the ones you don't know you kind of have a gauge of what it is and you know the value how rare it is right yes so. exactly so okay. I have a question about that because sure. I get a lot of flack when I don't know a shoe because technically this is our profession right we're supposed mm-hmm. to be experts of this but I consider myself more of like you know just a I love it I'm not but I'm not studying it daily you know right. we didn't go to school for this do you ever get people that say like maybe you forget like a Pokemon or something or you have mm-hmm. a slip of the tongue you call it the wrong name do people mm-hmm. really get on you for that uh, they will. They will from time to time. But, but more uh, as like I think, in... I think my overall knowledge of the TCG and like certain cards and, you know, things that are very niche definitely, you know, overcomes that, you know, forgetting a Pokemon's name or oh, forgetting okay, a certain okay. card because there are quite a few, right? When you get to like different cards, so this card was from this. There was a story behind this card because right. of this. So and there's variants of like there's always a lot. But I tell people, you know, we'll we'll learn every day together, right? That's what I always say too. Yep. See, this is amazing. Okay, so perfect. And I always kind of just shrug it off. Like I'm just like I'm not gonna bash the person. Like you know, saying oh don't be so negative or whatever. But I'm just like, do you really expect me to know two thousand, three thousand shoes in the world and every yeah. name? Like it's impossible, yeah. bro. <laughs> like yeah. you know, it's, it's tough. <laughs> yeah, it's I'm tough. sure Michael Jordan doesn't even know the name of every one of his sneakers. <laughs> there's just too many. So that's how that goes. Um. I do want to talk about a story on air if you would uh, kind of like uh, entertain me here. So you said that you're not only just into uh, Pokemon TCG. You're also into other TCGs as well. Right. Correct. So were you like into Magic and Yu-Gi-Oh and stuff too? So it was was Pokemon and then it was Yu-Gi-Oh. Okay. And then it was Magic. And it was just kind of collecting and playing, you know, growing up, Mm -hmm. you know, elementary school, middle school. And then after that, I think I think I transitioned to... um, Yu-Gi-Oh again and that was like more through like high school and college and I played competitively and I was actually a state champ a couple times here oh my uh, god for Yu-Gi-Oh as well okay so I, I I used to always go down to the card shops I was that nerd yeah always going to the card shops buying cards collecting cards dude so, I love the fl- how easy you're flowing this podcast for me it's like we're on the same page you're reading notes or something <laughs> from me because I was literally gonna say so I started off with Pokemon too but then I really got into Yu-Gi-Oh because for whatever reason the show was on WB TV or whatever yeah, I was always yeah. watching that on Saturday and I I really like looked forward to those episodes more than the Pokemon at a certain point yeah I don't know if I just got burnt out but that's what I like and I also like the cards. It was more, I think it was more, um, not 
it's dark maybe the right word where it's like a little bit more like edgy or as we grew older you know it was more like it appealed to us a little bit more it was yeah. like it was cooler it, it maybe, Coolers, maybe it, yeah. it, the, the the art style and the actual cartoon was slightly more mature yes you know is what it is yes. so I think that's what what happened where it's where like you, you can't just be like a 13 year old kid being like oh yeah Pikachu my favorite you, you still know could, you still could <laughs> but like it just it just felt cooler to be with the cool kids on yeah dark magician or whatever it is right <laughs> yeah. yeah so here's my story so uh, I was still living in Vegas I was an 11 year old kid okay. I was never a state champion Yu-Gi-Oh or anything like that but I did have a really good deck at the time and this was I don't know how many series were out by that time, but it was still pretty early in the Yu-Gi-Oh days. So, okay. you know, there's the base Kaiba sets, the Yu-Gi sets, the starter Simpler decks. Simpler times. Yes, exactly. So there was just a few out there, but I had a really good deck. Um, and I uh, spent, a, well, I didn't spend a lot of money. My grandparents spent a lot of money on packs. My mom guys invested a lot into it. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I had like, not a lot, a lot, but I, I mean, I cherished those because like, again, we were not well off. So anytime that we got something, I was like, put my heart into it. You know, I'm like, this is awesome. This was a gift. I'm very happy. And we got lucky and hit some very rare cards. So I created a really good deck and I wanted to try it out at the tournament. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, we go down to the card shop. Um, my mom walks in, she kind of like looks around, sees that there's a bunch of kids in there and stuff. And she's like, okay, I'm going to go outside and, you know, kind of like you hang out outside and she's go smoking or something. I don't know. So I was in there by myself. I had my deck. I was kind of like wandering around looking through like the because it's a card shop. You can buy cards there. Right. So I'm looking through like the counters and I'm like, oh, okay, this is a cool card. How much is it worth talking to the owner and stuff? And he's like, oh, well, uh, we also do trades and stuff. And I was like, okay, yeah, okay." So he's like, what do you have on your in your deck and stuff? And so I I put out all my cards on on the table on the counter and I was like showing him like, oh, is what is this worth or how much can I get for this and stuff? A couple seconds later, when we were talking about this, a guy on my right comes up. So I turn to my right. Cards are still on the counter. Turn to my right. This guy's like, oh, you have some really cool cards and stuff. Like, check this out. And he's, like, showing me these cards and stuff. And he's, like, slowly pulling me farther and farther away from the counter. And it was only 10, 15 seconds. Uh, And so I was like, okay, wait, wait, wait. Let me just go grab my cards and I'll see if we have anything to trade. I turn back to the counter. My cards are gone. My card. Oh, boy. Dude, every single one. Everything was gone. I was 11 or 12 at the time. I look up, freaking out. I'm like, what the heck? So I, I, I'm i looking at the counter guy. I'm like, the guy who owns the shop. I'm like, hey, where's my cards? And he's like, what cards? And I was like, what do you mean what cards? I was just showing you all of my cards because I was going to buy the trades. like, I don't know. No, he didn't. And I was like, and I was freaking out, you know, because I was as a kid. I was very trusting. And this was Vegas, not Hawaii, right? right so a little right. bit different. So I was like super trusting. And I was like, what the heck just happened? I turned back to the guy on my right to say, hey, did you see who if what happened to my cards? Get, that guy was gone. So I was like, oh, my goodness. So I was look, literally looking on the ground because foolish kid thinking it fell on the ground or something or, you know, maybe somebody accidentally grabbed my deck Jeez. on accident. Five minutes of that, I, I I walk outside. I'm like, mom, can we just go home? And she's like, you were so excited. Aren't you going to play in your tournament and stuff? And I'm like, no, let's just go home. She, so she doesn't question it. I, we go home and I get home, start crying. And she's like, what, what happened? And I was so embarrassed. I didn't want to say like, oh, I think my cards were stolen, you know, because right. it was also like for me and, you know, you know, probably know this too. It's like when you get all of these gifts and stuff, it's like you feel like you're betraying your grandparents, or your mom, guys who spent all that right. money on it. Yeah. So I was super ashamed. I didn't want to say anything to them because I was embarrassed, right. but I had to because I was crying. So I was like, this is what happened. My dad was pissed. He gets back in the car. We said, we're going back down to the car shop, yeah. go to the car shop. The guy that was there at the counter wasn't there anymore. So he was asking, like, hey, what happened to my kids' cards and stuff? Where's your video cameras and stuff? Somebody took his cards. He's like, hey, man, I wasn't working at this time. We tried to pursue it. No evidence or whatever. So what obviously happened was the card shop owner probably grabbed my cards, you know, Mm -hmm. and just played it off as I didn't see anything happen. Right, because you were just a kid. Super bummer, man. That's crazy. Yeah, so it was a horror story. One thing that I stuck in my head for so long. But the the high – or, like – 
I don't want to say it was a blessing in disguise, but my parents ended up like sweet as they are. We went to a different card shop. They got me like a Japanese starter deck, which was super rare at the time because they didn't have too many Japanese cards uh, being sent to the U.S. Right. So I got all these cards I've never seen before. Plus, they bought me a couple extra packs. So I was I was happy about that. Um, it was obviously not the same, but. They tried to like you know even the blow, which I always uh, appreciated and like you know treasured. But dude, that turned me off so much to like cars in general. Not gonna lie, that's crazy though. I mean, I, I, I think that's pretty nuts that they would just steal your stuff. Right? I'm not buying cars from Vegas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it's such just us. It's such a sticking point because I remember exactly where that shop was located. I can't tell you the name or whatever, but I remember if we went to it now, I would remember that shop and I would remember that exact feeling as a kid, like just standing in awe. Like, and I remember the card, and I, I think the, this is the card's name. You're familiar with the Yu-Gi-Oh series, yeah, I'm right? With it. So, was there a card called like Garnicia Elephantis or something? And it was like a like a was big, it like elef- a big elephant with like a saber. Or yes, something yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that was the card that I was looking at, and I vividly remember it because I really wanted that one. I was like, mm-hmm. I've never seen that before. I want to trade for it. And then that was the last memory I had of my deck because <laughs> oh I was gosh, trying to trade. That's crazy, <laughs> right? So I'm sure like other kids have these horror stories and stuff too. Oh, but we've heard a ton of people having their cards stolen, uh, their parents that have you know thrown them away or sold them. Yes. Like, when they were younger, the garage sales of your like cart. So yeah, yeah. I've heard it all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, blatantly just stealing from a kid. I was like, dude, what the heck? You know, like as an no. adult now, I'm like, that is insane. So, but then I now I see the things in the news about like. Parents or like you know resellers just rushing into Target, taking all of the packs, then immediately flipping them online, and I'm like, that I guess things haven't changed too much, you know? It's uh, yeah, it's been pretty crazy. I mean, I guess you know people blame a variety of things, right? COVID, people trying to just make money where they can, but right. you know, to to talk on that a little bit, what's interesting is that whenever it comes to like people that are the term is like scalping is a yes. term that a lot of people use. Yes, scalping and you know going to stores and buying those cards and things like that. Um, it's interesting that Pokemon got the most attention. I think Pokemon got the most attention because it's obviously one of the most popular right now. Mm-hmm. But technically, a lot of those people that are scalping, that are going in there, Pokemon is not their first priority. Uh, sports it's cards. the sports cards. Yep. That's actually their first priority. So I think it's interesting because, um, yeah, if you look at a lot of those videos and you notice what they're taking, most of the times they are taking sports cards. Really? Secondary is always you know going to be potentially Pokemon, right, to get something. But it's always the sports cards because their margins are way more insane. Yes. But you don't ever hear them people going, oh, you know, screw those, you know, sports scalpers. You know, I can't believe they take all the sports cards, right? But a lot of those problems were because of the sports scalpers more so than the Pokemon. That makes sense. That actually yeah. makes so much sense. And I'm, I feel kind of foolish not thinking about that because that's definitely true because the margins for like just reselling packs in Pokemon is not super great, right. especially best, for the newer packs. At best packs. during those times, like they could have bought a box for 20 bucks and then maybe sold it for like 30. At best, maybe during the hype, it was like double. But with sports, you buy like a 50 or, you know, $20 box and it's, you're talking four, five, six X. Yes. E- instantly on eBay. But for the news, like clickbait and stuff, it, it sounds a lot better when you hear right, adults right. are taking kids' cards. Exactly. I think mm. it makes for better media. It makes for better news. It doesn't mean that people weren't scalping and buying Pokemon cards and trying to flip them. Mm-hmm. But it's always been the main one has always been sports. That definitely ruins it for a lot of people then. Because yeah. I don't know if it's just in Hawaii, but you, you've seen the signs of Target and stuff. There are no cards in this shop. We don't sell them anymore right. in I store. I think they started again, though. Um, Did they? Okay, yeah, thank but then goodness. it's like limited one to two. Okay, thank like goodness. Yeah. yeah, and maybe you go to and the And I guarantee and you if you go there, um, and let's say you get first in line because you have to wait in line to get stuff, right? I guarantee you if you're in close to the front of the line, somebody will approach you and tell you, hey, I'll give you as much Pokemon stuff as you want for whatever price. Just get the, get the sports things for me and I'll trade you. They'll wow. always do that. Yeah, they'll, they'll almost always come to you and do that. They don't Did give. A, they don't give a rat's. You know, <laughs> about, you know about Pokemon. They all. They just want the sports. 
That's crazy. Yeah, That's so tell, true. That's how you pick up. You know, if, since you're close in the front of the line, you get the best sports boxes that flip for the most. Grab those for me, right? And come back. My, in, inside my car, I got tons of Pokemon that I that I got before. I'll trade you all the Pokemon you want for the sports. Dude, that yeah. is insane. And it's so interesting to hear that because there's, I, I guess it really just is wherever there's money to be made, there's going to be some kind of grimy people in that scene because right. I can think of a very interesting like similarity uh, to sneakers where a lot of the sneaker stores are in um, Waikiki, right? Correct. So, uh, I used to do some campouts for that, where mm-hmm. you can't do that for Pokemon, really. You don't, people don't camp out, I would think. I guess you can in, like, Walmarts and Targets. Some people, okay. like, do it the night before, and then as soon as they open, you know, they get first dibs kind of thing. Right. Okay. I, I think it's just more prevalent or more well-known that sneaker camping is, like, you right, literally that's sit like up the, the newest, you know, right. the newest, you know, sneakers that come out, right? Yeah. So, exactly. uh, so we, I remember doing that stuff, but the thing that I would see that was weird is uh, people, like, would pay homeless people in Waikiki to wait in the lines for them. Oh, wow. Yeah. That is, that is next That's, level. Right? So it's wow. kind of like the same thing. We're like, oh, just, you know, uh, and this was the hard part about this because it's it comes down to an ethical point. Like, the guy's like, because everybody's getting mad, right? They're like, what the heck is this? You know, this we've been waiting in line and you just switched spots with this guy who was, we didn't even know he was in line. You know, we thought we were, he was sleeping here. <laughs> right. But he's like, hey, what's wrong? I just gave him 20 bucks for it. That was the most money he's going to make this week from like selling cans or whatever it's, it is. It's always two sides to every story. Right. I mean, every, every side has a pro and a con. And then, uh, you know, there's different views. I'm not going to, you know, disagree or agree with anything. You know, it's, it's just, I guess so. Many, many views. I guess yeah. so. Because it's just, just the same thing with people, you know, waiting in line and let's say, you know, the thing people said was wrong was somebody that was buying all the Pokemon stuff, right? And then other people couldn't buy it. Yeah. But then again, you know, the reason why it's wrong is because you think that person is going to be, you know, selling it. That's true. But what if a collector like like me or a collector like somebody else is going to go in and, you know, I'll buy all the Pokemon stuff. I won't resell it. I'm just mm. going to open it all myself, mm. right? Do now do you still think there's and a you same don't know. problem with that? I and mean, you don't know. Technically, right? True. So a lot of people that wait in line that are considered scalpers, they're, they're there just to buy cards so that they can open themselves. So there's, there's a lot of, you know, people that, you know, you can't really tell. It's just There's some where you can tell. There's that's why it's enough, so controversial. Yeah. That's why there's it, so much discussion. It's polarizing. It's very exactly. polarizing because, yeah, exactly. I've seen backlash both ways. But the one that also got me, not only the, you know, paying the homeless people, because that was a hard one because it's like, are you really going to get mad at a guy giving, helping out a homeless person yeah. with money? So the other one, though, was um, we saw another guy in line. He had a. Uh, it was just him waiting, and then he said his wife was, uh, you know, using the bathroom or something for four hours, apparently. She comes back with two kids inside of a stroller, and those two kids count as people, and there's oh a limit. Gosh. So there's a limit to how many shoes you can buy. Uh, it's one adult pair and one kid's pair per person. The two babies uh, counted as adult pairs and kids' pairs. Wow. So that is blatant, right? It's like... You know, wow. oh, no, I'm getting kids, uh, pairs for my kids. Oh, your, your kid wears a men's 11. <laughs> the more kids you have, the better. The more you want to buy sneakers. <laughs> yeah, Got it. We're so, learning. We're so learning. exactly. That's why I had just had, uh, had my son so I can try this out now, you know? So. <laughs> <laughs> sure. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, I mean, that's why I've seen a lot of weird things. But ultimately, that's what I really like about your channel and your content on social media. It's very wholesome. It's very... um. You, you care about, like, the actual, like, underlying message behind what's going on. You know, you mm-hmm. do the reselling, you, you do the breaks, you do the things that are mainstream, but you don't try to do it for profit. It's exactly. it's very close to the Mr. Beast approach where whatever... Exactly. You, so, the, you know, you know his approach, that's, right? That's, the big, that's what I tell people, like, when people ask, you know, how are you doing what you're doing? You know, how are you affording to do this if, you know, the money that you're using, you're using for giveaways. The money you're using is for charity. The money you're using is for, like, to pay for people's shipping and supplies and things. I tell them... It's just like a mini Mr. Beast, yep. right? You see that he he understands that there is an avenue for success and there's an avenue to, that needs to be done to give back, right? And I think that's why he's so successful. 
because he cares about the content and which exactly. is what you care about because his thing is he's he, he's always working on very razor thin margins because whatever his sponsors are paying him or whatever it's going right back I mean, you're a little get, bit opposite don't get me wrong, he's making a lot of money but like percentage wise a lot of pe- more people would take higher percentage amounts of oh that yeah and give back less for sure yeah exactly. for sure but he cares so much about the content he's investing a lot and that's how he started off but it's it's kind of the same approach for you where you said you're I see the other breaker sites like that are run by card shops and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. They're trying to like if the box is market valued at five thousand dollars, they're mm-hmm. trying to sell the breaks for six thousand total, so they pocket a thousand on top, right. plus you know the stream views and stuff and maybe sponsorships. Right. You, you, I'm assuming are operating it closer to break even. So if a box is five thousand market, you're gonna sell it for about five thousand market. Right, because the thing is, if it if it's close to breaking even, or even if I make a little bit, right, mm-hmm. we always know we can use the profits for other things for the community. Right, and at the end of the day, I know. I have the content, right? Because at the end of the day, I'm a content creator. People come by, you know, for me and the community that we have. So I'm providing, you know, getting the content and Mm -hmm. I don't have to pay for it. So that's going to be my big dub, right? We get to open a vintage box that's worth $30,000, but everybody, you know, chips in and, you know, I'm not going to try to make a crazy margin off of it, but then we get to open a $30,000 box, right? You can't just do that unless you plan to buy one and open it yourself. So that's my big dub. And I see that. Would you ever buy a $30,000 box on your own just to open up on your own? I may have one. Oh my God, here we go. (laughs) I don't, know. I, don't, I don't think I'd open it. I don't think I'd open it. I'd like to collect it. You know what I mean? Right on. It's kind of like you. Do you. Would you buy like a $10,000 you know, sneaker and wear it or would you like keep it? I keep you know? it on ice. Exactly. Right, yeah, I keep go. it on ice. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Okay, so to go with that though, when you are dealing with like a, because these boxes, the base set is what? Is it really $30,000? Uh, base set right now? Is it? Un- are you talking about unlimited or are you talking about first edition? Because first edition, I think the last one recently sold at auction for like, it was like 360000 Okay, so what is the ones that you're opening? I'm, I'm uh, most not- of the ones we're opening is also first edition, but like different sets like Team Rocket, Jungle, things you're familiar with. They usually are hovering like at least the five digit range. So they can be up to like 20 something thousand. I try not to go too, too high in the boxes because then it's just too expensive per pack for the people to yeah, check into. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. What, okay, so for, let's just tra- talk about Unlimited then. Unlimited okay. base, what is that? 30? Right now, probably around like 15. 15 20 so, somewhere on there so you've done a couple of these right We've i know done a couple. i know like twice a month or something you do like these major vintage boxes kind we of do. breaks right and they're always on like a weekend or something how do you feel when you're opening those packs like do you feel nervous like you're dealing with a pack of cards that's hundreds or thousands of dollars and it's not yours you know what i mean like you don't want to bend it i i get scared <laughs> opening my friends hidden fates which are throwaway cards for you basically but the yeah. vintage ones i'd be like oh my god you know like pulling it very very slowly i mean just because i've handled them so like so much before mm-hmm. not that nervous but i do get a lot of excitement and slightly nervous because of the fact that you know it's for, you know, different people that I have and I actually yeah. bring in the people to like the call. Yeah. So I get nervous because it's you know, it's kind of fun to open with them. It's like people I recognize from the community that are coming in to have some packs open. I'm kind of like excited with them to see what they will get. Right. But in terms of actually being nervous of handling the cards or opening the cards, no, not at all. So you've never had any issues where uh, you've bent cards or when you're putting it into the sleeves, like you... I don't know, rip something or things like that. Uh, no, no, I've never okay. really had issues with that. Well, that's knock amazing. on wood. Yeah, that's you know that you know that doesn't happen. But I like to say I've handled enough cards that 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 doesn't happen. Okay, because that, that's insane. Because again, I I literally have a note here. Note, Island's freaking hands move so fast. LOL. <laughs> I mean, it's just, like, it's, no, it's, it's muscle memory. You know, if you time, guys have not, memory. if you guys haven't watched the stream, please go watch one of the streams and just look at his hands moving. Cause it is ridiculous. Like the hidden fates, you open this thing in like half a second, you automatically rotate whatever three cards it is to the back. So mm-hmm. it, you get the last one and it's, it's like you, you're flying through the packs. Whereas what I've seen other people do, and this is why it's also cool. And I'm not sure if you do this intentionally. 
I watch other people breaking, not at the level you're at. They're moving very slowly through the cards because they don't mm-hmm. have maybe as many packs open. You are flying through the cards. I think it might be a combination of different factors. So one of the factors might be maybe their smaller channel and uh-huh. there's not as many orders. So they're trying to stretch their content a little right. bit more. Um, but what I notice a lot of people do on like regular channels that, you know, get a consistent amount of orders is they'll just, you know, they'll just flip to the end to see what the, the rares are. They'll mm-hmm. just slide it through. They won't even do the flipping that I do. But I, the reason why I flip through them and I kind of do them quick like that is I think people like going back to what you're saying earlier, people like that ASMR aspect. Dude, I think it, there's a majority like there's a there's a portion of the viewers that come in for that, you know, ASMR sound and I guess visuals of seeing the the cards being flipped. Because even when you get to the hitter, though, you're still blazing through it. You're like, mm-hmm. oh, congratulations. And you put it inside this plastic sleeve super fast. You get put it into the um, bigger plastic sleeve. I don't even know what the names are. Top bang loaders. It, yeah. yeah, top loaders. You bang it on the table. You're onto the next pack in yep. like less than a minute. It's like yep. insane, dude. Yep. Insane. I, I do go a lot slower for the vintage, though. So we don't I do noticed. that for the vintage. Because that, that you know, potentially, you know, if you were to damage or do anything, right, it could you know, really, really be an impact. But oh, especially with sure. these other cards and modern's cards, a lot of these ones I'm flipping through, they're just commons on commons. They're like they're like pennies. Right. You know, where like like let's say something does happen, I can compensate it. You know what I mean? Like let's say it's a, even a ten, twenty, thirty dollar card, right? If it let's say I accidentally bend it. I, I probably have another one I can just give to them. Right. right? I can compensate that. Can't compensate first edition Charizard. Exactly. I can't compensate that. Because, yeah. okay, so this is where we can kind of lead into this. And I wanted to ask you about this because this is something I have no idea about. PSA grading or sure. BGS grading. So I know this is super huge for cards, right? It, it changes the entire value of a card. You got a PSA 10. That mm-hmm. could be the difference between $500 or $50,000, right? Yes. So with that, that's why I'm wondering, like, when you do these vintage pack openings and stuff or you're opening, like, the jungle ba- uh, boxes, uh, base sets, how, like, if the card is already in, like, off-center position or whatever, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's set, right? So there's nothing you can really do with, like, fingerprints, I'm guessing, or, like, holding it weird that's going to affect the grading? Is that um, I mean, there's things that you can do that would affect the edges and the corners okay. and, and the surface, like, if you dent it or you scratch it. Okay. But, yeah, centering is one of the things that is just... If it's off, it's off. It's off, it's off. Like when you open the pack, that's a part of it. So that's why you'll notice when sometimes I'm opening vintage boxes, I'll always say, I'm really happy with this box. Or, you know, oh, this box is a little bit weird in terms of like centering. So that's like conditions that are, you know, out of your hands. Mm, Okay, I see. And you can't help it, right? And that's what brings such a big value to some of the cards that are PSA 10 or like, you know, perfect or pristine graded gem mint. Yeah, okay. That's insane because that would suck to buy like a first edition base set box hoping to hit a Charizard. You hit the Charizard thing is completely... Well, I've heard. See, this is why I, I learned a lot from watching your thing that mm-hmm. sometimes the off-centered ones, the insanely off-centered, mm-hmm. they're pretty rare, right? <laughs> if you get really off-centered ones, yes. It's, it's <laughs> okay. been recognized now as like, you know, uh, a mistake. Okay. Right? But it's got to be, you know, like 70-30. So when you look at when you look at a card, you know, you people refer to 50-50 as, you know, the edges being, you know, 50-50. It looks exactly the same. Oh, right, right, right. So Symmetrical. 70-30 is what people would start considering, you know, off-centered. Or and at that point, mistake. that has more value. or It can have more value. It have more of a niche market when you get uh, to, like, you know, mistakes or, you know, errors or things like that. But, but it would never collect it. Okay, so it would never value more than a PSA 10 Charizard, though. If you, All things being uh, equal. I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. There, there might be... It's hard to say. Maybe it has to do maybe with certain cards where the value can be pretty high if like the condition's good and let's just say it was like off-centered by mm-hmm. a lot, but it's just how much somebody's willing to pay because mm-hmm. it is very niche. I got I got you. I got you. Mm-hmm. Dude, that is very interesting. So have you um, done the PSA thing before, sent cards in? How, how Can you tell me a little bit about how this works? Do you send in mass because you have so many cards that need to be graded? And is it are you doing it for um, your people that are doing the breaks or is it more for your personal collection slash reselling? 
I would say for grading cards, I don't I don't grade people's cards. So oh, okay. um, uh, unless it's like, you know, some close friends or something, I don't I don't do any services like that. There are, like, you know, companies out there that do services that middleman. Yeah. You send them the cards, they'll handle everything, they'll get it graded where you want, and then they'll, you know, you know, kind of like a consulting thing. It's a, li- and a lot of liability, you. right? There is a lot of liability. So that's the reason why I don't do it. But personally, I do send a lot of cards to okay. get graded, um, mainly at PSA, BGS, or the newer company in the last year, which has really picked up CGC. Uh, the reason, though, that, you know, it's been kind of crazy is that everybody's been trying to send in their cards with the big, crazy TCG boom. Everybody's trying to send in their cards. So a lot of the main companies like PSA and BGS kind of closed down their lower tiers. So for months, I've heard, right? Yeah. Like right now, you still can't send in things at bulk, which is what you're saying, sending yeah. a bunch of cards. Okay. In. Okay. You can't send in at bulk, which is their cheapest rate. Oh, I see. That's why. Because uh, that's how they got overloaded. That's why. Right. And it's right. also, I've, I've heard, see, this is why it's like, I like dabbling different reselling things just to learn because it's so interesting to me. I don't resell Pokemon cards, but I think it's very interesting. Um, I've also learned that um, <clears throat> when people are like doing these uh, reselling things or doing, getting these graded and stuff done, um, they can like pay for this middle service, like you're saying, right? Where it's a lot of people pooling together to try to get the bulk thing, but you're saying that's not a thing anymore. Like it's a service where maybe you only want two cars graded, but you mm-hmm. want a better price. So you have a marketplace or a guy middling where he says, okay, we're going to use your two, your two, your two, your two. You got 10 together or whatever the minimum is. And then they send it in at one time. Yeah, usually the minimum is like 50. But, 50? Um, oh my God. So some people will do that. Some people will do that where there's a middleman service that will get it graded for you and then they might, you know, lower that minimum. Mm. But majority of the times, um, I tell people, tell people, you know, it's a nice learning process to learn how to send it in and grade it yourself and you'll probably save money, more money that way as well. The other issue with this grading services is that um, some people in the beginning, I've heard that they were uh, sending in cards that really should not be graded. Is, is that That's a thing? one of the biggest reasons why I kind of got backed up. People just sending Comments. all their cards from their old collections, right? Like even yourself, you might go dig it up in your closet and you're like, okay, I want to, you know, send it in to get graded because I see all these people, you know, selling crazy cards that are worth a crazy amount. But you got to remember these cards that you've had in your childhood are not in the conditions that would be that high, which mm. would, you know, fetch that same value. So a lot of people just send in cards just to get them graded. And then sometimes some other people would send in cards just to get them encapsulated just because they want them preserved. Mm, that's a good point. That. Okay, I see. So, so they don't care about the number that comes back. It could be PSA some people 6. Don't. And then some people are delusional and think that they're going to be getting like PSA 10s, right? <laughs> there's cards a huge that were, scratch across Right, it. the ones that they put, you know, in their pocket with bubble gum with rubber bands around their cards, you know, they think they're going to get high grades with that. Dude, I was no. so careful with my cards. I can't even imagine people doing that. But I don't remember where my, uh, because we moved from Vegas to Hawaii when I was like 12 or 13, I, I can't remember where my binder went, which was really unfortunate because I didn't have any like uh, crazy Charizards and stuff, but I did have like that base set Blastoise and things like that. I'm, and I'm pretty sure they were in solid condition. Like I would not use those cards. The Las Vegas the card shop probably stole it. Dude, probably. Yeah, that's you're right. They probably found my house and like, you know what? This kid, like, look over there. No. Yeah, look over there real fast. Yeah, the move, move, move to Hawaii real quick. Move to Hawaii, Hawaii Man, real quick. Why are you going to bring that up? I'm hurt again. <laughs> but no, yeah, it, I can definitely see that. But this is a last thing about this uh, grading thing. Are those base set commons worth anything? Unlimited? Not really. I mean, if you can get them in tens, like they're really, really good condition, you can get them in tens, unlimited. Yeah, they'll have a little bit of value to so it. So only if, you th- if you're looking at it and you believe that it's a perfect centering, perfect everything, that's when mm-hmm. you should send it in. For those, yeah. Okay. I, well, I would say so. Like okay. I, I would say the, the more common the card... The, the better the condition you'd want it in because there's so many out there already, right? Right. So you'd want it in really good condition. But the rarer the card, you know, it might not matter as much. Let's say, like, for example, a first edition base of Charizard. Yeah. You don't care if that thing is, like, no, you have to send it in. Yeah, you, you have you to. You probably want to set that in. That will probably bring it the most value because it is a rare card. It's sought after card. Have you seen what, what does a PSA 1 go for, Charizard? 
they're, they're still triple digits, which is pretty surprising, yeah, for one. You know, honestly, it's actually kind of weird because um, when it comes to ones, because ones are so hard to get, sometimes they're actually worth, you know, a decent No amount. way, dude. Yeah, not, not crazy like tens or anything, but they are worth more than it seems. You would think a one is, you know, yeah, like, it's nothing. Trash. Right, but it does have some value because it's hard to get ones. Because there's a certain point where if a card is too damaged, they, they won't grade it. Oh, so they the, won't grade it. Right, they're just going to oh. take your grading, your grading amount that you're supposed to pay them, and they're going to send it back to you ungraded and say, sorry, it's... Wow. So, yeah. okay. So what would be considered, in, see, this is something that I've never no, known before. Uh, for a Charizard, say I bent the card in half, like literally in half, and mm-hmm. then I bent it back. So there's a huge, huge crease. Is that ungraded? I think that still might be gradable. They're, they're, really? It still might be gradable, but, you know, let's say it's cut in half or, it, you know, it's a piece missing or ripped off or something like that. It's definitely not going to be gradable. So it depends on the extent, but maybe if you folded it like 20 times and you scratched it on the ground and you right, right. Like, threw it and it got that's wet, ungradable. then maybe that's going to be ungradable, yeah. So, have you ever had any horror stories with these grading card things? Like, ones that you were like, bro, for sure this is a PSA 10, man, there's no way, and then it comes back as like an 8. Have you ever had that happen to you? Yeah, that's happened. It's happened many times. Cause How I do guess, you feel during those situations? Oh, it feels uh, terrible. It feels absolutely terrible. Because um, you can't contest it. I mean, you can't contest it. A lot of times people will be like, okay, I think it's still good, so they'll crack it out of the case and resend it in. You know, there's a lot of variables. It could be variables when it's shipped there. It could be variables when they opened it. it could be variables when they're handling the cards and grading it. Because it's it human be, error. It, it's it's exactly. subjective from person to person, It could right? be a mistake in them grading, uh-huh. right? There's a lot of different factors that you don't know. But sometimes as well, you know, you think cards that look good, like a lot of amateurs, they think cards that look good are not really that good. Okay, I see. Because uh, the cards are going to be put under a microscope, right? You're going to see all the scratches, all the dents that you can't see that easily right right with your naked eye right so. okay i see but still because you're a professional that's why i would assume you know like if you see it as a psa 10 and it comes back as sub- significantly lower right. that's where i would see like then, an error. you know i'd be like okay like let's see what i missed right and uh, then i'd take a look at the card and i'd be like okay i don't see anything or i'd look at the card and i'd be like okay i guess i missed that but sometimes you know it's just like there's no way i could have missed that so had to do something with the handling or when it was shipped that's very interesting those are definitely the horror stories though you just you hope that doesn't happen. I feel you. Okay, yeah. right on. Okay, so moving a little bit away from uh, the cards and stuff, man. Uh, sure. So because we're talking about pivoting and longevity, do you think that Pokemon and TCG are going to continue to see this boom for like the next five years? Or what is your thought process of this? Like, how do you see it going? And then what do you think about content-wise? Like, are you trying to like branch into like other things? I see you playing Apex sometimes. You know, yeah, I, I know you do some that. some video game stuff. Do you think you're going to try to move more into that area once things settle down? Or what is your thoughts, I guess? I think so. For your first question of the longevity of TCGs, um, you got to remember Pokemon's been the biggest IP in the world for a very long time. They're the biggest IP. 15, 16 years or something, right? Yeah, so they've been been there for a very, very long time. I don't think TCGs will disappear. Okay. Um, But in terms of like the amount of hype and the amount of boom, right now it's like crazy. It'll be in waves. I think it'll always be in waves. I think that even if like the demand split in half, it would still be crazy high demand for any given business or, you know, any given, you know, product. Okay. So I think... TCGs, especially Pokemon, is definitely going to be here for the next couple of years. Maybe five years, yeah. Okay. But who knows what the long term is going to be for these um, these cards. But TCGs have always done well. Right. TCGs have always done well in the lifetimes. Well, at least the main couple. Okay. In terms of content creating, though, I think that's the reason why I've kind of grew my community focused on me and you kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Right. No matter what the game is, no matter what we're doing, it's about you and me. And I think those people will always stick around no matter what. So I think I'll be able to transition to whatever the game or whatever thing that we're going to be doing. So whether it's Pokemon, whether it's back to mobile games, whether it's to Apex, whether it's to, you know, different games, we'll always have the community there. And I think, you know, that's 
that's what really is going to stay solid over the next couple of years or even decade. Because what they're going for is island growing. They're not going for the cards. Right, they're going right. for you. I mean, some people are going to be there for the cards, but a lot of people, they're going to be there for everything. Hopefully. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's hope, always yeah. the goal. Yeah, and so that's what you try to build off of. Okay, right on. So uh, I do want to ask then, like, uh, I know you play a lot of mobile, so you, you said you still dabble in Summoner's War and whatnot. Yep. Um, is there any other game or genres that you play, like, console or PC, like... I know you play a little bit of Apex. We touched on that. Is there any other games that you play or like could see yourself getting into a lot more? Is there anything getting you excited? I feel like games right now are kind of dead or stagnant. That's just it's, my thought. It's okay. I think we we always have that um, we always have that you know that need for you know some kind of game. Something. But like it, it, that that level is always being raised every year, so it gets tough. Right. right? We always expect and we want more from the games, but. Me personally, I, I do play a lot of games. Like uh, I've always played League. I've always played. Oh, you play League? Know, the, yeah. I oh, play. okay. So any terms of the mainstream games, anything that's mainstream, I've I've played. And okay. I, I like to say I'm I'm okay, right? Oh. I'm 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 good enough to you know be able to. Apex, you look pretty. It. You look smooth with it. You yeah, look good. Like, yeah. Mostly PC games though, <laughs> okay. so I, I don't do too much console. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm usually pretty good at majority of the different games. So oh, okay. I can transition. Yeah. Yeah, because League is a huge one. That's like one of the mm-hmm. most uh, watched streams I think. Or like, uh, but it's real tough to get into that. Right, right. It's very saturated. Ah, uh, that makes sense. So is that the same with like uh, Valorant and stuff as well then? Is that- yeah, those are very, very saturated. So those would be really difficult. I think a lot mm. of people that start streaming, they try to, you know, get into those fields and it's very difficult to do something like that. So that's a perfect uh, segue into one of my last topics that I want to talk about. It. Sure. So for people that are really starting off then, because I... I did a Twitch for a little bit. I played Apex. This was years ago, and I didn't really put a lot of work into it. Like, I just tried just to see what it was like. It was fun, but I was like, this is not really my thing. I, I like editing videos and stuff. Uh, streams are, like, a little bit more. Uh, it's just too different from the content I was making at the time. Um, but for people that are starting off new, how do you get an edge in the sh- Like, is it too oversaturated at this point to start in? Or is, like, do you think people can still make it if they just got into it now? I think the markets for content creating, whether it's like YouTube or live streaming on Twitch or anything like that, is extremely saturated. So oh. I'd say if you if you want to get into it, do it because you want to, mm-hmm. right? Do it because you want to have fun, right? You're not doing it because you're going to be a full-time content creator, right? It's It could happen, right? There's a chance. It could happen. But you, you got to go in with the mentality that you're going to be having fun with it and it's because you want to do it. And that's what's really going to you know drive you to be able to you know, continue doing it because it's mm-hmm. definitely going to be a grind. It's definitely not going to be easy. Uh, another tip of advice I'd probably give is if you want to get into it, definitely don't pick games that are overly saturated, right? If if you want to be like the, you know, an Apex streamer or a League streamer, well, you better be like a pro or you better be like, you know, number Some- one or number two or number three in the world, right? Maybe not on a pro team, but you better be one of those top guys that brings something, you know, to the to the stream because it's going to be different. very difficult. So the only other thing that I would say with that or think about is if you want to get if like say you just have a passion for Warzone, Call of Duty. Right. If you're not really really good at the game, you better be a huge personality, right? That's exactly. what I would assume. Like so mm-hmm. something like uh, Doctor Disrespect, where he had the huge like you know uh, persona and stuff that he had, and that kind of is what got him at the like forefront of like you know he he picked up from there. Yep. Okay. So I I definitely understand where you're coming from with that, and I I really want to like ask you and maybe it's just my thought with this but i feel like no matter what content creation you're in youtube instagram tiktok twitch there's a factor of luck in play and that i think a lot of people don't understand like they think that if you just create really good content uh the views and stuff will come that's not the case man i know there's so many guys out there that they put so much heart and soul into their edits and stuff for five views on youtube and their video content is insane like they do so good but there's luck that does get involved. Like if you're not hitting the algorithm for Twitch or YouTube, you you won't get seen. You have to be kind of like right place, right time. 
is that kind of the same thing for Twitch like that you've seen? Yeah, I agree. Um, I think there's actually probably a lot of very talented and uh, great content creators out there that are just, you know, unknown. So mm. it's it's kind of like a philosophy that I always go back to is that you got to work hard to get lucky. That's that's basically work it. Work hard to you get gotta lucky. Work, you got to work hard to get lucky. And oftentimes, you know, you see a lot of people get very frustrated because they do work hard, but they don't see themselves getting anywhere. Mm. But you have to remember, you know, it's it's a combination. You have to work hard and you have to get lucky. So, I, you know, to them, I'd say continue to work hard, continue to do what you do and uh, be very persistent. And that luck will, you know, eventually hopefully land on you. I think there was a saying something like that when uh, when luck does arrive, that's why you want to be prepared Some, exactly. somewhere along those lines. You're going to miss right? those opportunities. Exactly. You're not working hard. Right, right. Luck meets preparation or something. It's somewhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like you know that. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah something like that. So, Confucius say something. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So my last thing in here, we've talked about some really awesome things. Two points. One, what is the most valuable card in your collection? Mm, Are you allowed question. to say this or do you have you? I, Honestly, I don't know which one's the most valuable card in my collection. So like for me, like a lot of collectors have like crazy cards, like a big card that's like five digits or like more than that, right? Mm -hmm. I don't have anything like that. Really? A lot of things that I like to collect, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I still have cards that are like in the high hundreds and high thousands. Right. But the cards I like to collect have like stories behind them. Uh, I see. Who I get it from, what the card is, and um and things like that. So okay. one card that I really enjoy that I think is actually quite valuable as well is called a um, Shibuya Pikachu. And um, it's like this uh, this promo Pikachu that they gave out in Japan for the opening of the Shibuya Pokemon Center. Okay. And so it was a trip that me and the wife actually did hey. in 2019 to actually go to Japan and, uh, you know, visit these Pokemon centers, you know, just travel and enjoy Japan. So we went to all these different uh, Pokemon centers and we actually collected the promos. I was actually that guy that just kept going around and getting the free promo. Hey. So... <laughs> Uh, anyways, um, it is what it is, folks. Yeah, have like a different shirt and a different sunglass. You know what I mean? I just wanted them. It's not like I'm going to sell them or anything. Of course. But uh, so I, I, I ended up getting those promos from the Pokemon Center. It was an amazing trip, and it always reminds me. That card always reminds me of that trip. Right. But funny, funny enough, I actually when I got those cards, they're probably worth maybe 10, 20 bucks, you know, per card. But I just put them in a sleeve and I had them in my pocket because I was just collecting them. Yeah. When I brought them back, I finally was like, okay, well, maybe I'll get them graded for fun, right? So I can get them encapsulated to remember. So I did my first submission ever to CGC with those cards, uh -huh. uh, about 30 of them. 30, and, wow. Yeah, 30. Yeah, 30 shirts. Yeah, 30 shirts. 30 shirts. No, we, went, we, went to, we actually went to multiple Pokemon centers that they had in, uh, in Tokyo. And, yeah. then, and then we went around multiple times. <laughs> But uh, my wife hated it. Yeah, she was like, I can't believe I'm, hey, I'm married, you to married into this. Yeah, you married into this. <laughs> You're stuck with me. But uh, So I took those cards at Shibuya Pikachu, and uh, I got them all graded at CGC. Mm -hmm. And one of them came back as a perfect 10. So it was uh, 10 across the boards. Is, okay, Okay. so you got to explain the difference here. Sorry. Sure. So, so you, you know all the graded, like in PSA, you have 9s and 10s, right? Yes. In CGC and BGS, they have what they call subgrades. And they'll actually tell you what the grades were for the four main criteria, corners, edges, surface, and centering. Okay. So it's extremely difficult to even just get a 10, which is a 10, 10, 10, and 9.5, right? Across, you know, whatever. That would still criterias. be overall 10. If overall you, okay, 10. Okay, I see. But it came back as a perfect, perfect. 10, okay. which um, Never for anybody that's ever graded cards, that is really hard to do. Okay. So I, I have a Shibuya Pikachu that is a perfect 10, and I think that's crazy because that's, I just put it in sleep and put it in my pocket. You know, we walked around and stuff. That I is crazy. I didn't intend to, like, you know, have that thing in good condition. So I think that card, you know, with the story behind it and how rare it is, is probably my, one of my most valuable cards. You're never going to sell it. Probably not. You're I never going to sell it. Yeah. I've had people already offer me, like, three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000. You're not going to sell it. Yeah. Not gonna sell. It's only one in the world, right? I don't think there's another one Ooh. that isn't perfect. Hey. You know? Yeah. Okay. So it worked out having those thirty shirts in your back pocket, walking it did, around. It yeah. Did. Point yeah. Seven, but he's that guy. Doing. He's that guy. <laughs> so last thing, uh, Island. I just really want to touch on something that's completely different than you know social media and stuff. Soon to be father. How you feeling, man? 
I don't know what to expect, man. You tell me. You're your father, right? You tell me, man. <laughs> Dude, honestly, like, it's so interesting because there's so many, like, parallels going on. We, sh- we, sh- we should be best friends in, life, in real life because this is how many parallels. Should have reached you out went, sooner. I know. Well, sooner. I'm not allowed to call you Brian still, so I'm, I'm waiting for that first, and then we yeah, can figure it out from there. Podcast, yeah, we'll see. Guess, we'll right? see. Yeah, so, because even in 2019, um, that's when I first went to Japan. So, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. So, that really memorable trip. You know, I have sneakers that are worn. I proposed my wife during that trip. So, oh, wow. um, yeah, so memories too. I'm never going to, I don't want to sell those shoes and stuff that I proposed to with. Um, that's amazing. So yeah, so all of that stuff, and then you know we had the kid uh, Rio. He just came in July, so I've been a dad for nine, ten weeks now, dude. Th- the best advice, or what I can say, is I got so much like advice from other people. Right. Out the window, man. It, it, like, there's some very like baseline things, like, oh yeah, don't drop the baby, don't okay, shake the okay, baby, true. you know. Okay. But everything else is like it. It varies, you know. You don't know how your kid's temperament's gonna be. Pave you your own path. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, and I mean, it's saying, okay, well, you can get as prepared as you want to be, but you're really not gonna know until you're like in that hospital room, you know, you're delivering your kid, and then it's there. Like that. It sounds so cliche, but dude, honestly, like that hit me the most. Like I might tear up on this because literally, like when they pass you the baby as a dad, it's like. Dude, this is a huge thing. This is like crazy. That's, that's what I've been hearing. That moment they say when that moment when you see your kid being born is like that life-changing moment. Here bro. I'm sitting like, bro, how's that gonna hit, man? Is that really gonna hit? Am I gonna be skeptical? Is it gonna happen? Like it's I'm, gonna well, hit. Well, I mean, I'm gonna experience it I'll, soon. Exactly. I mean, I hope I hope it hits for you because it really like I thought it wasn't. You know, I was like, nah, it's it's just a thing. You know, it's life. I'm I'm, I'm prepared. I've seen. I, I'm you know I'm gonna be happy, but I'm not gonna be like you know overzealous about it but it really just right. changed it flipped the script man like wow. it's crazy because i know how hard you work too i see like you you saying you're streaming five times a week five hours n- normal streams which is insane mm-hmm. numbers so much work when you have your your daughter coming it you're gonna want to work so much harder which is crazy to think about for you because you're already working Dang. so hard yeah. yeah can you imagine that because on top of wanting to work wanna, harder well, you want to sh- support for her yes right? exactly just okay. yes you want to provide I for not that. only you know your daughter and your wife it's like it's mm-hmm. it's everything you know and it's like i'm already doing really well i want to do even better now which right. is crazy because you're going to be working you want to work more on the twitch you want to work more on your like outside businesses and stuff but you also have to be a dad so it's like you're gonna it's like not even like double work it's like Three, 2.5 or three times because you right. you're got the new dad, but you also want to expand what you were already doing. So it's like, dude, I don't know, man. Like, you can hear it in my voice. I'm like, I can talking. tell, you know, and I can, I'm I, frantic. Yeah, I'm like, this is crazy. Maybe some people out there that will probably hear this and we're kind of kind of understand it, but I, I think I get you uh, pretty closely because I'm, I'm kind of in those, sh- you know, very similar shoes. Yeah. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's I, I'm excited then. I'm yeah, excited. we're really, I mean, you're younger than me, but it, it's relatively young as a parent too. You know, like I, I feel like a lot of people these days, they want their like career super solidified. They don't have kids until like they're in their mid thirties and stuff, Right. you know? Um, so it is really uh, different to be like a younger parent uh, out there. And it's kind of weird because back then our parents would have kids like 21, you know, 20 or whatever. Right. Now, anytime you're like younger than 30, having a kid, that's pretty young, you know, like in right. today's society. So yeah, I don't know. It just, there's so much moving parts and with uh, the pandemic and stuff happening, it's like so many questions and stuff, but I don't know. There's just a sense of relief that when you are a parent, it's like finally like, okay, it's go time. You know, like everything before, there's my life before this moment and then there's everything after. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I'm excited to see what that looks like for you, man. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of excited as well. You know, life's, Life's crazy. It's going to change. Uh, it, I think it's going to change your content quite a bit, too. I feel like you're I'm excited. Then. Yeah. You're going to have your daughter coming into like breaks and stuff or like, you know, eventually when she gets older, you could have like break battles or something. You got opening packs. You have oh, her yeah. doing the thing. You know, you're going to have dude. It, I'm so excited to see how that content works out. And hopefully you do the ends up doing like some kind of family vlog and something or like getting that going or getting more of that into the stream. Because I feel like if you're trying to build a community where 
there people come for Brian, not just Island Grown. You know, you right. as a person, you as your family, uh, they'd want to see you grow with that too. Because I yeah. feel like everybody must be super excited. Did you announce it on stream? We did. We announced it on stream. I think. Um, on one of our last vintage breaks, actually, so I think about a month oh. ago, we announced it. Did you do a gender yeah. reveal too, or like we did? For content? We did. How, we okay, did. so how did that go? Last last question. I know you got stuff to do, man. So, uh, what do you mean? Uh, <laughs> how how did you do? Did you do like anything special for the gender reveal? Like, yeah, we did a predictions. Yeah, on Twitch, you can predict if you think it is going to be uh, whatever it is, and uh, you can put your points. We got things called channel points okay. that they collect. And uh, they predicted boy or girl. That's, that's as simple as it was. And then how did you, how did you show everybody? Like, what was the grand reveal? That's it. Just told them it was a girl. That's it. <laughs> that's the grand reveal. Yeah. I think the uh, I think the reveals to my my parents or both of our parents oh, was probably okay. more exciting. Oh, okay. We, okay. Uh, we revealed on Mother's Day that oh, that's beautiful. Um, that we were you know that we were expecting. Oh, that's and beautiful. then on Father's Day we revealed the gender to them. Oh, so that's that, amazing, that was, yeah, man. So we had I some love family that. Get together. I that. love that. Okay. Yeah. So both of your families live on in Oahu. Yeah, then. they're both in. Okay, uh, that's that's Hawaii. awesome, man. They must be super excited too. They are. They are. That's a, that was like one of the best, like most beautiful things for me too, is seeing like uh, my parents and uh, my wife's parents like just so enamored to be grandparents. Like right. for whatever reason, I don't know. I get sentimental over that kind of stuff, man. Yeah. I'm like, this it's, is so cool. Especially my side of the family, because uh, you know my my mom's side has like four or five, you know, siblings, and okay. my, my dad's side has like seven. Oh yeah, big family. I, I'm, I'm the oldest one. So like, okay. out of all my cousins, you know, there's tons of cousins. I'm I'm the first. I'm like the oldest one. Same. That's how so. I am for my mom's side. Uh, oh nice. yeah, yeah, oldest on that side. So it's the first great grandchild for my grandparents on that mm-hmm. side. Yeah, which is crazy to think about. But and then my, my wife's side is the opposite. She's like one of the youngest. So it's it's kind of weird. We get both both spectrums, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's goes, awesome, yeah. dude. Well, thank you so much for coming on, uh, Island. Uh, and I really appreciate, you know, just having this conversation with you. I, I feel like we could probably be talking for hours about just other Pokemon things. We didn't even get too much into the games about other things that going that are going on. Um, I w- wish I brought, like, a deck of Pokemon cards so I could, like, batter you right here. But that's not <laughs> the case. So maybe next time. Yeah, but. maybe next time. <laughs> but, yeah, there's so many stories and things going on. But I appreciate all of the information that you shared. Uh, you have a really great, like persona about you and i just really appreciate what you do for hawaii as like not just like a streamer but probably one of the biggest streamers if not the biggest streamer in hawaii which is really really awesome to see so keep doing what you're doing man i love that you have hawaii incorporated directly into your name island grown i love that the things that you have going on in your descriptions about me say ohana you you kind of like emphasize that hawaii spirit the cards that you make for your um uh, followers and stuff. They have Hawaii themes on it. I saw yeah, you got a fisherman yeah, card. Cards, Bro, yeah. that thing is oh, yeah, so sick. I gotta sick. bring you one of those. <laughs> that, that thing I was amazing. I going to bring you one. I, I, I forgot. <laughs> no that. worries, no worries. I, I, this guy doesn't care about me. It's all, it's all banter. I have it on the side. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I intended to. I, I just I, forgot. I don't know. Yeah, he's, he's trying to get out of here anyway. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I appreciate it, man. Just keep doing it because I really... I, my whole reason why I started High Connect was because I want to emphasize Hawaii creators more. And when I saw you, I'm like, this is somebody we need here. So I'm so happy and humble that you came on. Uh, and I hope you enjoyed your time here, man. And I hope you had a great conversation here. Definitely. It was fun. I appreciate you uh, having having me on. And uh, we'd love to, you know, talk with you again in the future and, you know, maybe talk about more stuff. For sure. For sure. So uh, could you do me a really big favor and just uh, where can people find you at then? Or where, what's your uh, socials People can like? find me under Island Grown. I think some of the socials still might be Island Grown 11 because they didn't let me change it. But Island Grown. And it should pop up. should be the dude with the Pokemon cards. So, so that's the main. able to find me on Twitch, Twitter, YouTube. Um, Instagram. You actually have two TikTok. channels on YouTube, right? Though is I do have two channels on YouTube. So, so one names? is for the mobile games. Okay, uh, it's under Island Grown, and then the other one is Island Grown Pokemon. Island Grown Pokemon, and that's specifically Pokemon content. I'm assuming. Correct. Yes. Okay. Okay. So yeah, go follow over there. Again, we will link all of that in the description below, though, so you guys can check that out wherever you were listening: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Um, but yeah, man, check him out. He's a really great stream. Honestly, like I said, I, I keep it in the background just for comfort because I love hearing the <laughs> pack breaking, <laughs> and because I'm never going to be opening these like expensive packs. But it's just really cool to see. Check it out. Uh, thank you again for coming on. 
Brian, appreciate it. Can, can yeah, I say yeah, it? Yeah, you're good now. Hey, yeah, look at that. We're friends now, guys. We did it. We level did up. it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, we'll catch you later on the next one. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you on the next episode. Aloha. Shoots. Aloha. Shoots. <laughs> Let's go.